Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 389 of the Juicebox podcast. I have a treat for you. Let's welcome back the CEO of Dexcom, Kevin Sayer. Kevin and I are going to have a pretty chill, about 30-minute conversation where we go over a number of things that are going on at Dexcom. It was really, um, it was nice. And Kevin and I have uh, talked to each other so many times, it just felt easy. And I think that reflects in the conversation. This episode of the podcast is not sponsored by anybody, so there won't be any ads. Just a few reminders. First reminder, the T1D Exchange wants you to join their registry. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. You've heard me talk about it on other episodes. Get in there. Find out what it's about. It is not an ad. T1D Exchange has not bought an ad on this podcast. I do, however, get, you know, a couple of bucks for every one of you that signs up. So if you're looking for a way to support serious type 1 diabetes research while, you know, kicking a couple dollars back to your friend Scott, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Here's some other stuff. You're looking for a great doctor to help you on your journey with type 1 diabetes or you have one to share with other people, please go to my page, juiceboxdocs.com. Give a penny, take a penny. Give a doc, take a doc. Let's build a great list for people to use. And if you're looking to share those pro tip episodes with other people, you can, of course, send them back to episode 210 of the podcast where they can start, or they can head over to diabetesprotip.com. The pharmacy for veterans, that's new. and That is new for us. It seems very comprehensive for who it's helping. It is. Okay. Um, how does it work? What would So any veteran goes into where? How do they do that? The VA system is one of the largest health systems in the country. Right. And as a population, one in four veterans uh, ends up with diabetes. And, and so this is a group that really uh, we felt could use our sensor. Uh, the coverage is very similar to Medicare with respect to its intensive insulin users who get the CGM now on multiple daily injections or a pump. But the fact that we can now, they can get it through their pharmacy channel rather than all the DME paperwork that, that many of our patients have to go through uh, as we work on simplifying the distribution channel. This was a great win for us. And we think a great win for veterans. Uh, it, it, it'll be great for that group. And if I'm looking correctly here, you don't, to get coverage, I'm seeing need to have diabetes, you require insulin, an insulin regimen of more than three injections a day or an insulin pump. Um, glucose and that's minus, it. Yeah, so it's low it, level it, here. It, yeah. It's low level and there is no copay. That's great. They just go get it. That's amazing. Yeah, it, it's a really good uh, arrangement. Excellent. And that's just any... So veterans listening will know what a VA pharmacy is, or is there a way for and, them and, to find And they that? will know if they're on a VA health plan, yes. Gotcha. Uh, they'll understand that. That's really astonishingly exciting, especially because um, it's not just, I think it's easy to think of veterans, right, as older people, but there's plenty of people who no, are, who are much plenty, younger. Yeah. There's plenty of people in that system. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, and there's a link here. I'm going to 
uh, I'll, I'll link to it so that the people can go right to it. That's excellent. That is really exciting. The last time you were on, we talked a lot about COVID bringing Dexcom sensors into hospital situations, and that seems yep. to be growing from there. Can you tell me where it's gone? Yeah, I can. Uh, you know, we were contacted by more than 200 hospitals, and we've gone into more than 100 of them in various degrees. Uh, bringing new technology to a hospital is never simple. And bringing new technology to a hospital pandemic isn't, that's even a bigger challenge. Right. We've learned a great deal. I'd tell you the first learning is, boy, our product will function and do very well in that environment. You know, in the beginning, and one of the reasons we didn't have a labeled indication there is if you go way back in sensor days, there were interferences that could cause the sensor. We had an acetaminophen contraindication, for example, which we don't have anymore. We have an interference layer on our membrane. So there was a perception that these things wouldn't even work in the hospital. And the FDA, in all fairness, wanted us to do some more work. We'd spoken with them about hospital indication for years, do some more work to make sure that, that interferences didn't cause the sensor to be wildly variable. But when you had several hospitals back east where diabetes and COVID were converging, and people had good knowledge on the diabetes side, we were getting flooded with phone calls. And I believe the FDA was getting flooded with phone calls too. So we got that uh, non-enforcement, the discretionary non-enforcement waiver. Go do this. We will let you go play and, you know, go be in that market and let's see what we can learn. Yeah. And, and it's got the experience when we started, you know, based on the phone calls, it literally looked like our entire inventory has been going to the hospital because people wanted so many sensors. And then as we started getting through this, you're training ICU people to do something, use a product that we designed for patients to use in their homes. And, and so we had to figure out how to make it work in that environment. We purchased a whole bunch of phones because the hospital doesn't have phones laying around and they don't want their healthcare professionals carrying around their own phones with patients data on it. So we purchased phones to get the data to the cloud. Then you've got the whole internet and connectivity issues in hospitals because they have very strict HIPAA requirements. And so we've walked through all those things to get everything figured out. And what we've learned is our product can have a big impact. It cuts down on PPE significantly. It cuts down visits in the room. Now the care professionals don't have to go in the room with the people with diabetes and stick their finger. It, it really can be used to eliminate one of the things that can advance the disease. Because if your body is fighting high glucose values, and, and oftentimes for these patients, it was in the four and 500 range, combined with respiratory issues, your immune system can't fight both. Mm -hmm. It just can't. And so if we can eliminate the diabetes variability from it, that is very helpful. We need to get this data from the hospitals to show what we achieved here and what we've learned. Uh, we want to take it. We want to build a file. We want to get back to the FDA and say, you know, this is what we've learned here. What are our next steps in creating a hospital application? The other learning on our, and so that's why we have the registry. We want it in an organized manner where data could be kept private and secure. Hospitals would be comfortable getting data to us. And we can compile the registry and then go to the FDA and say, this is what we learned. This is the data we had. This is the profile of the patients. This is the compounds they were on when they were in the hospital. 
here's how quickly they got out, all those types of things. And Use it as a base. We think CGM in the hospital could provide wonderful benefit. If you walk around a cardiology ward and 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 ask how many of these patients have, in particular, type 2 diabetes as they get older, the, the numbers are pretty staggering. If we can control the diabetes part better. I mean, I've been in ICUs where if a patient has diabetes, there is 48 finger sticks a day. So a nurse has to walk in stick their finger 48 times a day, every half hour, all night long. We put a CGM on that patient. Boy, think how much time and money that saves the system. And not only that, let somebody do the job they they signed up to do, uh, give care to patients rather than just checking and checking all the time. Just checking and checking. So we think there's a really good opportunity here. And and we'll learn from the registry. registry. We'll, We'll learn from our experience. I have to just shut my phone off. No, I'm of sorry, you no, guys. No, you're fine. Uh, and we'll be good. So uh, it's it's pretty exciting. There, you know, there's good stories. Uh, and, you know, one doctor told us a story about a patient who they were about to ventilate, but when they got under control with CGM, they didn't have to. Uh, it was the high blood sugars causing the patient could fight off the corona if they weren't trying to fight their high blood sugars. And I think there's a correlation to all these things. Well, I have a a personal anecdote, I guess, that I've never shared on the podcast before. But my father, as an older man, had congestive heart failure, type 2 diabetes. But he fell and just kind of slipped off a chair, actually, and gashed his his shin badly enough that it, it, it wouldn't heal. And he ended up in the hospital where I watched them ignore his blood sugar like it just wasn't a factor in his care. And he did, in fact, he passed away about a week later. And, you know, I realized he was not in great health to begin with, but he was not, you know, he was not on death's door prior to cutting his leg. And once he got into a hospital setting, I would tell him, I'm like, dad, they're not, they're not managing your diabetes. And he's like, they say it'll be okay. They want it to be high. They don't want me to get low. And I couldn't talk him out of it. I couldn't talk him out of believing that his, his body's ability to to heal was directly related to you know it was compromised. Pressure. Yeah, yeah. I had I had a very similar experience with my mom. She had a heart valve replaced, and literally, she couldn't leave the hospital because her blood sugars were so high. Not because the heart valve operation didn't work. They, the stress and the anxiety in her body from that surgery, that that's what they they couldn't fix. And I'm sitting up there. Uh, as yeah, I, I think it was right after I started, not long after I started Dexcom. I'm sitting up there going, I I, I can fix this, but yet I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think someday we have a really good answer here. Yeah. Now institutionally, I think that this has a, a a significant possibility of changing the way minds work around blood sugar management while people are in the hospital. And, and Scott, my other learning here, and this is you know this just goes to Dexcom and how we work. We need to create the proper experience in the hospital for the caregivers and for the patients. You know, we are all about the experience for the customer and for the patient. And and, and one of the big learnings is taking a product that's meant to be used by you and your daughter at home and and day-to-day isn't necessarily the same workflow and visualizations and communications as one would want in the hospital. And one of the challenges I've given the team after this experience and with this registry, 
let's create the right thing. Let's create the right experience for this environment so the product can be used. When you create the wrong experience, no one's going to use the product even if it's perfect anyway. Right. And so I, I think long-term, that's another thing that comes to this. We will create the absolute right right experience for that environment. I'd also be interested to see how those two different uses end up feeding each other. Like what will you learn in the hospital that will help the home user? What will you learn in home that helps the hospital use that? Yeah. I think that would, would prop itself up. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you then about, you guys are doing something with the university of Virginia about research, but I don't understand what it is. That's okay. I'm happy to answer that question. You know, the uh, we acquired a company called Type Zero back in 2018. They're the group who developed the in control study and then the the algorithm, uh, the control IQ algorithm used by Tandem in, in, in that system. Mm-hmm. And the scientists, some of the scientists who were part of that remained at the University of Virginia, and there's a lot of knowledge and a lot of great thought there as far as what we could do in the future with diabetes. We felt the thought and the skills of these uh, of these scientists at that university, combined with the people we had in Virginia, would give us a great opportunity to create more tools for our patients in the future. And we wanted access to those guys, and we wanted to make sure that the group was funded and uh, really could continue to work with us. So that that's why we signed the agreement, really, is to continue to develop more tools for our patients. And so they're just going to... It's it's a research center then like it's re, it's a research yeah. center and we will do research and develop develop future uh, applications for our technology with them for type one and type two I'm guessing yep okay that's where it, it is open to where whichever directions they think they can help us or directions that we uh, would like to go that's excellent well I guess you guys are pretty busy in house doing what you're doing and so this is sort of just uh, another avenue right. You know what? There are a lot of smart people out there who are trying to solve these problems. And yeah. to the extent we can have good relationships with them, and we're bigger now. I mean, there is some advantages to size. Five years ago, I didn't have a million dollars a year to commit Anything. to yeah. University of Virginia. <laughs> now we do. Right. And so, and I don't even know what the financial terms are. I'm speaking a bit out of turn right. uh, on all that. But but you know where I'm headed. Yeah. We we really didn't consider ranges like this because we were so focused on managing our cash and and everything. So through size and scale, we're able to do more. And I think this is a a really good investment on our part. We look for, we think there's going to be great things come out of this. Excellent. Well, that's exciting. Okay, so. 2020, as we all know, has not been very exciting. Everyone's excited to get to 2021. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just for so many reasons that aren't aren't worth listing. But I'm wondering what Dexcom users should have to look forward to coming up. Continued innovation, continued uh, growth and support. I think um, our technology pipeline is is still incredibly robust with what we have coming. Uh, and what we have today, I mean, you know, let's not forget, we're only two years into G6. These devices usually have a life cycle longer than two years. Mm-hmm. And we made a commitment to go faster and accelerate that life cycle by moving to G7, where literally every component of the system is different than what we did, uh, did with G6. So we'll continue to improve G6. We have uh, algorithm updates. We are you know looking at finer things like updating the share system that user interface over time uh 
So we'll continue to refine that experience. We're very focused on G7. We're back in the clinics. We're not giving G7 timelines because I just can't give our playbook to everybody. But in in, in the short term, G6 uh, really gets a lot of good things done. I think another one of our big efforts is just improve access for patients. I had a call uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, and I get emails as you do, and most of my emails from patients do not relate to the product other than we love the product. It's, I am having a hard time getting this. And this guy was a hospital administrator and he'd been in healthcare for 30 years. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take this one and spend a little time on the phone. And it, it was a great conversation. And, you know, he said, I, I don't know how. And he was late in life having used a product. I don't know how anybody would even manage this without it. I, it, it, it's beyond me. So we want to create that experience and get more people access to the system. And his problem was very simple. He's on this auto ship plan every 90 days and insurance will only let him order exactly 90 days later. And if, if for some reason he runs out of sensors, even if they all last 10 days, He's days without. And, you know, he wanted to ask, how are you going to solve that problem for me? And we we had a great discussion about it. He understood where I was coming from, and we we got him taken care of and got the insurance. But I I think more access, getting to more people, continuing the technology pipeline, uh, and just, you know, having this needs to really become the standard of care not just in the U.S., but everywhere. And I think we've made great advances in the U.S. We're looking at our international markets. How do we get more visible and more access in, in, in more of these international markets? And I personally challenge the team, let's be, go be more aggressive. Let's go get more people on this technology because once they use it, Scott, they don't, their, their lives are changed forever. It's 100% true. I, I, my first thought when you were talking was, will the um, marrying for like, you know, control IQ, Omnipod 5, that kind of stuff, will that cause the insurance companies to believe that there can't be a lapse in me having a sensor, right? Because now my pump also, you know what I mean, like is connected to that. The other thing is too, I am, you know, as as humbly as I can say this, I'm really very good at diabetes. And then if you take that data away, I become very average at it pretty quickly. And it's not that my daughter goes from, you know, an, an average day, day of like 5.5 five A1C to a 12, but suddenly we can't be as aggressive with meals as we'd like to be. We can't be as fine with basils as we'd like to be. And then everything starts drifting the wrong way. You get very up and down. And before you know it, you feel very lost. Well, I, I liken it. What kind of CEO would I be with no data? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how could you possibly run a company without knowing where we are? Right. And, and so, uh, I don't need to know where we are every five minutes, though. I <laughs> I, I, I can take peaks a little uh, a little later, but no, I, I you, you you couldn't. And uh, I you know the insurance companies. It is really interesting. It is as I talk to some of these guys, they are there are so many brilliant people there. But as you look at the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people they have to take care of. Then you get down to the number of people that use our sensor. Yeah, absolutely. Gee, if I'm approving this pump that's dependent on a sensor, we shouldn't be waiting. We shouldn't have any problems. But by the time you get down to the number of people that is versus the number of people they take care of, uh, 
Yeah. It's, it's really hard for them as business people just to understand how all that works. And, and I, I we've looked at models, Scott, and, and so I'll give you a perfect example. Um, what if we sent an extra box to everybody just so that never happens? And you know what happens if I do that? They just use the box instead of place the next order. Oh, okay. Most of them. Right. And then, then we run out anyway. And three months later, we've got that problem and we sent a free box of sensors that cost us money that we didn't get revenues for that the insurance company didn't have to pay for. And so I, I have come up with every mathematical model and chat our marketing organization would tell you I'm somewhat relentless on this and I really haven't come up with anything simple. So you run into uh, the, the failings of, of people at some point. You run into the, yeah. and, and the failings of us as a company and right. the failings of our distributors and the failings of drugstores and the failing. The, the biggest problem is getting this to people in an efficient, easy manner. It's almost, uh, I, I would love to say we have it down and we're a lot better than we used to be. We've made tremendous inroads here. Uh, but there's there's still more to go here, and and you know our push to the pharmacy to get this thing covered as a pharmacy benefit uh, in, in most places. You made me. We. I'm sorry. Yeah, we had. Uh, we now have more of our new patients come through the pharmacy than come through the the other channels now, which means they're getting it at a drugstore. Right. And the copay at the pharmacy level. Uh, and James can get you the. We can get the exact numbers, but a large percentage of them, I want to say 30% have zero copay. Oh, wow. If we can get them to that channel. So we have done our best uh, as a company to make it more accessible and, and literally for that access been willing to compromise on, on pricing because if our patients can get it easier, happy, guess what? They buy more, they're loyal and everything is good. It makes perfect business sense. Now I, I've seen incredible, you know, strides, from you guys over the years for certain. It's funny, you you were talking about what would happen if I just gave everybody an extra box. You made me think about a buddy um, that we had in our 20s who was always stressed out about not having money. And so I came up with this idea of us all throwing a little bit of money into a bank account for him so that he had a cushion to take away that stress. And we did. We collected about 500 bucks, all of us, and we, we, we put it in his bank account, and he spent it. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> we're, we're trying to take your stress away." Um, it's human nature. Yeah, that's just how it is. I think so. I really do. Um, oh, before I forget to mention this, and we run out of time, it's such a small thing, but a number of people ask me to tell you that the the process of ordering overlay patches is not probably as seamless uh, as you hope as it, it should be. be. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So something I will to look pass into. that on. Yeah, that was it. Nobody really. I uh, said, "Hey, Kevin's coming on." They're like, "Tell him we want that overlay patch link to work better." And I was like, "And everything on the, on if, the UI side this, works great." If this is your toughest user group question for me, man, <laughs> Kevin, you've come won. On. It's over. <laughs> People, if you're listening to this podcast, you can do better than that. <laughs> come up with better questions. No, they yeah. um, they just all seem kind of uh, happy at the time. I mean, listen, not for nothing. Everybody wants to know when the G seven's coming. And I think that that ebbs and flows online when someone discovers an image of it and reshares it as if it's it's a new idea. And then it kind of gets everybody lit up again. But I agree with what you said earlier. I have a hard time arguing with you. I'm using G6 with Arden, and it's been terrific. And It's, um, been, it's yeah. a spectacular product. And we've tried to address in G7 
all the things that, that, that we can make better. But it G6 is really good. You know, I, I was ta- I was reminiscing a bit the other day as you look at the things we've brought to market at Dexcom and bringing connectivity directly to the phone and all these integrations, the way we designed G6. You know, we made a commitment back in G5, Scott, and, and you appreciate the technology. We put a processor in the transmitter to whereby all we're sending to that phone app or to your pump or whatever is the number. So mm-hmm. we can integrate across multiple platforms. We can communicate with multiple devices at the same time. Uh, the, the thought that went into some of these things delayed technology for a long time, but we think we're going to give the patients the opportunity to have the technology and the things uh, that they want to. Sharing, you know, I got my first email on sharing data three days after. Do you remember the G4 receiver? I, for, I don't even remember what we called it. But the G4 receiver that would talk to the phone. Sure. And I mean, three days into that, I got an email from somebody saying we'd save their life. The the proactive uh, alerts and alarm, you know, the the low glucose soon alarm. I think the numbers like four million patients have acted on a low glucose soon alarm and avoided a, a low glucose value right. uh, at some point in time in the night. Those are or four million instances. Those are big innovations and big changes, and we'll continue to bring those they are. to market. So, you know, again, listeners, uh, don't sleep on Dexcom. We'll be there. Well, listen, I've you're making me think of two things. So the the first thing is, and and maybe I can take your challenge up here. I could do a a focus group online and then bring it out like this if you want to hear people's ideas like do you just want to hear people's ideas or do you think you've had the ideas I, they're I, having I, I hear quite a few of them yeah uh but i'm not averse to i don't know if i'd want to do one online or or, or have a discussion but i i'm happy to address anything on a podcast like this yeah we have we have spent a lot of time listening over the past no for sure uh, couple of years i'd like to say we're a lot better than that than we used to be we well, used to be a bunch of scientists yeah figuring out this is what we can do. Now our scientists, in addition to our consumer people, have become listeners. So we do a lot of focus groups and, and listen. But if you, I mean, well, we, we could it, talk about that offline yeah, sometime. Yeah, but I'll bring it to you. I, I can go on Facebook and get everybody's thoughts and then just dump them in your lap and, and inundate you with them if you want to. Uh, it's, uh, my, <laughs> my favorite user discussion was with an 11-year-old who for his vacation came to San Diego parents brought him to San Diego. He had three pages of notes on a legal pad. <laughs> he had questions about the chemistry, the chemicals used in the membranes. Right. He had studied this so much. It was, it was an awesome, awesome morning. That's I was really blown amazing. away That's cool. by this kid. So we'll listen. And if you have some to bring me, I'm happy to, yeah. we may or may not address them all, but I'll, I'll certainly listen. No, it'd be, it's, it's interesting. I think just to hear like, you know, down to the smallest idea of, for instance, like people are like, I'd like to be able to set like a different alarm for a different time or I need a different tone sometimes or just the just the idea of what make would in a perfect world make their their experience better. Maybe some of them are addressable and maybe some of them aren't, but it might be stuff sure. that you haven't thought of. Um, I sure. am going to let you go, but let me ask you, because you said something a second ago about the chip being able to talk to more than one device, which leads me to ask you about right from the transmitter to Apple Watch because that is something people ask me about a ton. That project has not gone as fast as we wanted. Our Bluetooth radio has needed to evolve, and Apple Watch technology has also evolved a bit. I think with 
I'm very confident we'll be there with G7. I don't know where that progress is G6 wise or with the next generation watch. That's something we'll just have to get back to you on it. It is moved. It's moved back on the list because we've just had to deal with some other, mainly getting G7 ready to go. And that Bluetooth has taken priority over the direct to watch connection. Yeah. I, but I get it. I get, and I get why people want it. There's a lot of complexity there because that watch has to be charged every day or every other day. And then the question is, what do you do for alerts and alarms while the watch is charging? And what is it going to talk to? And there's some things we have to work out. Yeah. I I think that's been a through line through a lot of things we've talked about today is that there's more going on than maybe the average person would expect. It's not just so easy to throw a Dexcom into a hospital and let them use it, et cetera. That kind of thing. No, not at all. Yeah. Well, I appreciate this, Kevin, very much. Um, Your time's always... uh, 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 well, well appreciated by me. So, uh, hey, thank thanks for having me again. Of course, I'll see you soon. You bet. Bye bye. Take care. I always enjoy talking to Kevin and finding out what's going on at Dexcom. Big thanks to him for coming on the show. Here's some other stuff t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Go check it out. I joined the registry. You can too. If you're a U.S. citizen, and you have type 1 diabetes or a U.S. citizen who is the parent or caregiver of someone with type 1, then you can jump right on. I answered every one of their very simple questions in less than 10 minutes. You could do absolutely the same. Just check it out and see what you think. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Their research has brought some pretty amazing things to light for people with type 1 diabetes. And um, I would not be talking about them if I didn't believe in what they were doing. Don't forget again, juiceboxdocs.com. If you're looking for a great doctor or you'd like to suggest one to one of the other listeners of the podcast. And of course, those diabetes pro tip episodes are right there in your feed. They begin at episode 210. There's also for new listeners or people who are just jumping on all of the Ask Scott and Jenny episodes or defining diabetes episodes. If you're really looking for management talk, this is where you go. Diabetes pro tip defining diabetes and ask scott and jenny i think all of the other episodes are absolutely terrific but if you really want to dig down and look at management talking about insulin that's where you start look i have a little time left here so don't begrudge me if i tell you that while this episode is not sponsored there are sponsors of the podcast that you could visit and there are links in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com if you want to find out more about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor get a free no obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump find out more about Gvoke glucagon the contour next one blood glucose meter and touched by type1.org and i already mentioned T1D exchange so anyway Look, I put this episode together for you on a Friday night, so don't don't hassle me. You know what I mean? Just get out there and click on the links. Help me out a little bit. Oh, wait, I'm back. There was something else. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I The uh, abrupt stopping and starting may have been confusing. You should check out the private Facebook page for the podcast. It's really something else. I'll let you decide if that's true or not, but it's called Juicebox Podcast type one diabetes. It's a private Facebook group has over 6,000 users right now. And it might be the nicest place online to talk about type one. Really proud of the people that are in there. Uh, Oh, you loving the show? Leave a review. That was a good one, right? On Apple, 
right? Five stars, say something really heartfelt and nice. Spell all the words right, because it means less when you make a typo. I don't know why, but when you're reading like, oh, this is a really great review. This person really loves this. Oh, they spelled three words wrong. Oh, geez, not as great. You know what I mean? Just proofread it. I know now I'm asking you to leave a review and uh, proofread it, but I mean, that's pretty much the minimum effort on that, don't you think? What else? There's got to be something else. It's late on Friday night. I spent the whole day putting together a bed for Arden. My knees hurt. I was like on the floor in the garage, and I got to be honest with you, I feel like I'm going to really feel it tomorrow. Uh, These are not your problems, but they are mine, and I am the one talking to the microphone, so I pretty much get to do whatever I want. What else should I be saying to you guys? Hey, follow me on Instagram too. If you, uh, you know, if you're on Instagram, it's at Juicebox Podcast. That's pretty much it. You know, one last thing: a lot of people listen to the podcast online, which is cool. Like, if you want to listen on my website, it's fine with me. It's just there's so many easier ways to do it. So I thought I'd go over them very quickly for people who end up listening to the show and don't know a ton about podcasts. First of all, if you have an iPhone. You just open the podcast app from iPhone, search Juicebox Podcast, and then subscribe to it. Now, be careful. Make sure you get Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes because after this podcast got really popular, a lot of people had the idea to call their podcast the Juicebox Podcast. They're trying to trick you into listening to their podcast, but don't do that. Listen to mine. Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. Search it right there in the app on your iPhone. The app is called Podcasts. So it can't be that difficult to find. Uh, You can also listen on Google Play. We're brand new on Amazon Music. You can listen on Amazon Music now. Pandora. Pandora, people like Pandora, right? Uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can even say uh, to your Alexa to play the show. Um, Oh, 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 and Spotify, right? Spotify is a place where a lot of people listen to things. So that's a place you should know about too. In honesty, Pretty much any of these applications that you've ever heard of, you can find the podcast. And please remember, especially Android users who have to use a lot of third-party apps for podcasts, you should not have to pay for a podcast app, okay? There are good ones out there that are free. Actually, at the top of juiceboxpodcast.com, it says subscribe and listen free in any podcast app. As you kind of scroll through the different things you can click on. There's one that says subscribe on Android, and that just takes you to a page that shows you a ton of different podcast apps for your Android phone. Uh, Podcast Addict uh, is very popular with people. I hear people like Podkicker. Um, Anyway, there's a lot of different players. Pick one. Don't pay for them was my point. Podcast apps should not cost money. This show should never cost you any money. Uh, Spotify said, actually, too, for those of you living overseas, um, Ghana, I think, is an India-based app. Uh, I'm starting to get some listeners there. So, hey, India, what's up? Uh, You can also listen on Player FM, Radio.com, and Deezer. I don't know what Deezer is, but I'm on Deezer. All right? And Deezer, the places you could listen to the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, that was was lame, lame, but I I enjoyed it. And uh, anyway, 
find the show on a podcast player and subscribe. It really is the easiest way to listen, unless you love listening online and then, okay, do that. I'm not stopping you. It's cool. But, you know, podcast players keep your place while you're listening so you can come back to shows. Uh, It's a lot easier. Is that it? All right, guys. I'll see you when I see you, which will be sometime next week. There will be more episodes of the Juicebox podcast. Thanks a lot for listening. I really genuinely appreciate your time.